0: This is the Late Round Podcast with your host, J.J. Zacharysen. What's up, everyone? It's J.J. Zacharysen, and this is episode 662 of the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get into the mailbag questions this week, I want to remind you about the Establish the Run Draft Kit. Establish the Run has rankings for any fantasy format you might be playing in, and they continuously update as news breaks. You also get access to Evan Silva's top 150 and along with it, a change log that you can read to see why players are moving up and down his draft board. It's a great way to make sure you understand why players are ranked where they are. The goal is to help you make better decisions, not tell you who to pick. And if you're into best ball drafting, their strategy rankings and insight can help you out a ton with roster construction. I know I've learned a lot from their analysis myself. Established Run gives you a different perspective on fantasy football than I do. I think the combination of my work and theirs can help make this draft season a successful one. So head over to EstablishTheRun.com and purchase their draft kit. And when you do, use promo code JJ for a 10% discount. That's promo code JJ. Also, there's some big news over at FanDuel. FanDuel has an all new mobile gaming app, FanDuel Faceoff. With FanDuel Faceoff, you compete in quick, fun games against other real people for real cash. It has all sorts of games that you're familiar with, like a Home Run Derby, Wheel of Fortune, puzzle and strategy games, with more on the way. Contests are action-packed and last between 2-5 to minutes, so you can play on your couch, waiting in line during a commercial break, wherever. And you can do it on your schedule. Plus, you can practice for free anytime. Whether it be head-to-head, multiplayer, or larger tournaments, FanDuel Faceoff has something for you. Plus, in most contests, you'll be matched against players of similar skill level, so you're never really totally overmatched, even as a beginner. Face-Off is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbook winnings in the app. Visit FanDuel.com faceoff or download the FanDuel Face-Off app in the Apple App Store today to get in the game. Age and location restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. See FanDuel.com faceoff hyphen terms for terms and conditions. The first question this week says... JJ, I love listening to your podcast on the way to work. Thanks. Thank you. Can we fade the dead zone mindset this year? Typically, I'm a heavy running back drafter. However, this year, it seems there are so many running backs in rounds 3-7 to range that I like. I'm finding it easier to take wide receivers early. I really appreciated your take on Eli Mitchell. I already liked Edmonds, then you spoke on him, and I'm more confident in him this year. ETN seems like a lock to catch 60-70 to balls. Brees Hall has such a high combine profile, and that team didn't just trade up for nothing. Miles Sanders just seems to be in a great position with little competition, and I'm lucky to not have been burnt by him in the past. Rashad Penny has the opportunity to get most of the carries behind a much-improved O-line. His 9th round ADP seems like an immense value. Am I wrong to fade the dead zone approach and take these guys? So I think there needs to be an understanding of what the running back dead zone is. I wrote about this in depth in the late round draft guide, and you can listen to some of the episodes in the past of this show that I've done on the topic. Episode 643 was one that I did this offseason on beating the dead zone. And then episode 514 was on the running back dead zone itself. Someone like Rashad Penny is not part of the running back dead zone. The dead zone I found based on historical ADP data from myfantasyleague.com. The dead zone is basically halfway into round three, through round five or six in a 12-team league. If you want to condense that a little bit, the obvious dead zone rounds in 12-team leagues are rounds four and five. So players like Chase Edmonds, Rashad Penny, even Miles Sanders in most drafts, they're not dead zone running backs. Now this is getting a little bit more complicated because there are so many different sources for ADP now. If you do a best ball draft right now, you're going to see players like Antonio Gibson and Elijah Mitchell and Josh Jacobs in the middle rounds of your draft. Like beyond round 5 into round 6 and sometimes round 7. But your managed home league, your office league, some random league that you joined, the league that 99% of you are playing in this year, those prices are going to look a lot different for those running backs. According to Fantasy Pro's half PPR aggregate ADP, Jacobs is still 44th overall. Antonio Gibson is a late 3rd round pick. Eli Mitchell is going 46th overall. Maybe some of that's skewed a little bit and it's not too reactionary. But the point is that a lot of these types of running backs are still falling squarely into the traditional dead zone. But I also kind of want people to think about dead zone running backs, not just in terms of where they're being drafted. I know that doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but what the dead zone really comes down to is twofold. Opportunity cost and ceiling. The opportunity cost is the fact that there are generally really, really good wide receivers who emerge from that dead zone area. So when you get a running back, you're not able to get one of those wide receivers. I talked about this all the time when it came to Cooper Cup last year. I wasn't on this podcast talking up Cooper Cup, saying he was going to have this monster, monster season. I didn't mind Cup, but I wasn't drafting him heavily. I wasn't getting him in every single draft. But I still got a decent amount of Cooper Cup. And you want to know why? It's because I avoided the running back dead zone running backs. My alternative then was wide receivers in that range, and Cooper Cup was one of those wide receivers. This is why strategy can be so impactful. This is why strategy can dictate player analysis to some degree. Now, the ceiling component is the fact that players in this range, running backs in this dead zone, they're generally not providing league winning upside at a better rate than a running back that you can get three or four rounds later. And some of the running backs that you just mentioned in this question can be had three or four rounds later. So you don't have to think about a dead zone running back only in terms of cost. It's also just inherently having some upside. So if a dead zone running back falls in a draft, the opportunity cost side of the equation drops, right? If Antonio Gibson is going in the fourth round in most home league drafts, but he ends up as an eighth rounder in yours, the players you're for going to get Antonio Gibson are not nearly as good. But if that entire group is falling in a draft, like if Jacobs, Eli Mitchell, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, all these home league dead zone backs, if they all drop, then that means other running backs are likely dropping too. So you're still getting a similar ceiling from running backs that are going later. Like, I like Chase Edmonds this year in a PPR format. If Chase Edmonds typically goes in round eight, and all of these dead zone running backs drop, then that means Edmonds is probably dropping too. Because those dead zone backs will still get drafted before him. So don't just think in terms of round drafted, even though the majority of drafts will formulate some sort of running back dead zone. Think of it also as talent and ceiling. These dead zone running backs generally just lack a true ceiling. But like I said, there are ways to beat the dead zone. I talked about that on episode 643. Overall though, I would not fade the dead zone mentality. Players will emerge from the dead zone. There will be some decent players that come out from that area of the draft. But from a probability standpoint, it's a bad bet. This next question is from Patreon. It's from Justin. It says, is there a guy who you think might break out that might go against some of your statistical findings for breakout players. Yes, I think Brandon Ayuk is the answer to this. I'm pretty much at ADP with Ayuk, but he absolutely does not fit the breakout wide receiver criteria. He's a third-year wide receiver. Third-year wide receivers have actually been bad bets in the middle rounds historically. And he's got a wide receiver teammate going early. That's another tough data point for a wide receiver but I'm more inclined to take Ayuk at his ADP than Debo Samuel at his. The 49ers should take more down-the-field shots with Trey Lance under center versus Jimmy Garoppolo, and that should help Ayuk more than the other pass catchers on that team. His average at the target was two yards higher than Debo's last year, and 22.4% of Ayuk's targets went 15 or more air yards when Debo is at 16.7%. I think Brandon Ayuk's just an awesome player too. He ranked really well in my year two model, and while things didn't go well for him last year, that year two model is predicting year two and year three output, the best season of those two. So we've got one more year for Brandon Ayuk. My hesitation though in going all in with Ayuk is that the 49ers have a mobile quarterback that's not good for pass catchers, and they're a run-heavy team. That also limits volume. And they also have very good options alongside Brandon Ayuk. They have George Kittle and Debo Samuel. So Ayuk I think can dominate in real football, and that should translate to some degree in fantasy. But the reason I'm not like way higher than consensus on him this year is because we have to at least be cognizant about his situation. But despite him not checking boxes for a breakout, I'm still fine with anyone drafting him at ADP. This last question is from Chief. It says, Hey JJ, what are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts as an early third round pick considering the fact that onesie positions are way more valuable since I have an advantage over my home league rivals in terms of drafting late round values and his incredible upside as a talent. When I'm in more of a casual draft, I do exactly what you just mentioned. I'm more inclined to take a tight end early, because I know that ADP is going to be absolutely wild in that draft, and I should be able to pick off some value as a result. The way i viewed Pitts is basically that he's an elite talent, so I can understand drafting him. His projection comes out at tight end three, and he's a monster. Sometimes in fantasy football, it can be that simple. I've drafted him in plenty of best ball drafts all summer, but I'm more inclined to do so when he falls into the fourth round rather than the third. But I do think the point made here is a very important one. Deciding whether or not to go with an early round tight end, that can often be a decision about the draft room itself. If you know that you're in a sharper draft, maybe you want some more insurance at running back and wide receiver you can't take on that opportunity cost. If it's more casual, you can take on that risk. And for the record, getting an early round tight end is risky. I know it seems like it's not. I know that seems counterintuitive. But it's really more of a high upside play rather than a high floor play. Yes, you're likely to have an edge over your teammates at the tight end position. But the opportunity cost in doing that is still really, really high. The first three rounds of your fantasy draft have really good hit rates at running back and wide receiver. So I'm fine with getting Kyle Pitts, and I think that you can get an elite tight end, especially in these more casual drafts. The third round is a little bit rich for me, but I love Kyle Pitts as a player. And you should get your guys. This next question is from Zach. It says, Hey JJ, just recently started listening and I love the show. Thanks. I'm curious what your general thoughts are on DeAndre Hopkins, both this year and in Dynasty. Obviously, his best days are behind him, and he's got the suspension, but any chance we see him bounce back for a couple more years? Or do you think he just continues to go downhill? Thanks. I think it's only natural to be concerned with Hopkins. He's 30 years old, so he's on the downswing in terms of age. And we've only seen 11 wide receiver seasons since 2011, where the wideout was in his 10th year or later, and he scored 16 PPR points per game or more. Hopkins is entering year 10. He also saw last year, for the first time since his rookie season, a target share per game rate under 20%. His yards per route run rate was his lowest since 2016 when he played with Brock Osweiler. And his targets per route run rate last year, that was the lowest since his rookie season too. I think there's a chance that we could see some sort of rejuvenated career from Hopkins if he shifts a little bit more to the slot, but I don't think I can sit here and say that he's some obvious target in any fantasy format, especially given the suspension. So I'm not overly optimistic. This next question is from at Bauer It says, I plan to overdraft Devontae Adams because of the example of Stafford and Cup last year. Heard reports of them hitting it off. Knew I should draft Cup, but didn't. Adams is arguably the best NFL wide receiver and by all accounts went to Las Vegas just to reunite with Carr. Won't he get 200 targets? Am I wrong? So this is classic confirmation bias. This is from Wikipedia, but confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. You remember that Stafford and Cup had that connection, and you see the result of Cup having one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time. But what about all the other connections that didn't result in that? You think Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were the only wide receiver and quarterback connection to get breakfast together? This isn't me telling you to draft or avoid Devontae Adams. This is me talking about process. Of course, Devontae Adams can go nuts this year. He's Devontae Adams. It's why people are taking him in the first round. But I wouldn't simply use the rapport with Derek Carr as the reason to draft Devontae Adams. And 200 targets is quite lofty. Maybe you were exaggerating in this question, but Darren Waller is a very good tight end. He's a good red zone threat. Hunter Renfro is a really good slot guy. There's more competition for Adams in this offense than what he saw in Green Bay's. Though I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more pass-heavy. I personally don't expect Adams to do what he did in Green Bay with the Raiders and Derek Carr. The relationship with Carr is great, but there's more than just that to worry about. This last question is from Patreon. It's from Reed. It says, you give so much to the patrons, the fantasy football community, and even randos emailing you. I used to be one of them that I was wondering if you wanted to use your platform to let us know about your philanthropic endeavors and if there's an organization that you would like to spotlight that we could support. Yeah, so I wanted to end on this question because I think it's an awesome one. And I really should shout out these types of organizations more. But I try to give to organizations that help children. It's just something that's really important to me. And No Kid Hungry is my go-to. I actually give all profits that are made from the East Coast Dads brand to No Kid Hungry. So if any of you are interested in East Coast Dads hoodies, t-shirts, whatever, you can go check out eastcoastdads.com and whatever I make on your sale, whatever profit I make, it goes to No Kid Hungry. I really appreciate this question though. I think it's important to give these organizations a shout on this show as much as I can. But that's it for today's show. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you get subscribed to the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast, make sure you are by searching for it pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. Oh, and also, I went on the Football Analytics Show with my friend and trusted analyst Ed Fang this past week, where I was able to get a little bit more philosophical about things. I think you guys would dig it. So check that out. Search for the Football Analytics Show wherever you get your podcasts. But also, don't forget to check out LateRound.com. Maybe the draft guide, maybe the Patreon, maybe the free newsletter. Just check it all out, lateround.com. Take care and have a great weekend, everyone. I'll talk to you next week.